there, friends of the Pregnancy Resource Center. Valerie Millsap's Executive Director here, coming to you with the Armored Truth Podcast, where we will talk about standing on solid ground as leaders in our community that surround the issues of the sanctity of life and talk about a hard subject, abortion. So as we pray on our armor each and every day, how can we do that in a loving, truthful way as we continue to deal with an aggressive enemy and use what God has equipped each and every one of us to use? Armor Truth will be a place to empower you, to encourage you, and to equip you each and every week to speak for those that have no voice. We are so glad you're here with us. Welcome to another episode of Armored Truth. It is my pleasure today to welcome uh, a friend that uh, social media can actually be a beautiful thing. We uh, connected on Facebook. Uh, My sweet friend that I have been able to know uh, via the computer uh, for, gosh, a couple of years now, Kaylee Uh, Perrin is actually from uh, Central New York, and we were able to connect on Facebook, other, you know, of all places, and just being able to see what God is doing in her life, and just be able to connect with people who um, have have had a past, but also uh, a, a place of where our mess was, but now we're using it as a message of hope. So, uh, Kaylee, before you get started uh, and share your story, uh, I'm just watching you and seeing what God is doing. I mean, like you are speaking for Pregnancy Center banquets pretty much all over now, but I know that had to start um, somewhere. And coming from uh, me as an executive director of our local pregnancy center, I I mean, it took me 10 and a half years before I just totally committed myself, just uh, totally surrendered to the call of my life. So I would love for you to touch that. I know it just, you weren't born to speak at pregnancy center banquets. And I know this is what you didn't think you had in mind in your past, but I would love for you to share where that, where that's, how that your story started to where you are right now. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's kind of, I kind of fell into speaking, you know, I never, ever would have ever imagined that I would be a speaker. Um, I dropped out of high school when I was 15. My life was just in shambles. Um, growing up, I grew up in a lot of chaos and, Um, I didn't have a relationship with my dad. My dad was an addict who was addicted to methamphetamines and crack cocaine my whole entire life. And so my whole life, my dad was just in and out of prison. And um, my mom was a single mom. And my mom, you know, did the very best that she could. But when I was 10 years old, my mom started um, drinking. And so drinking would come to consume my mom. So alcoholism just took over my mom's life. And so at a young age, at the prime time of my life when I was a teenager, um, and you really need your parents the most, is when I was so alone. And so um, it was in that being alone and really 
not having um, an example in my life that I just began to feel all the brokenness in my life and my heart with the things of this world. You know, the world offers so much, so many things that we think might um, send us some kind of gratification or numb our pain or whatever it may be. Um, but it's so false. It just leads us deeper into darkness. And so at the age of um, 13, I um, started in promiscuity and believed this lie that my boyfriend loved me and that in order for me to truly be loved by a boyfriend, I needed to have sex with him. And so that just opened up this huge door and, I, you know, I was desperate for a guy's love because I lacked that love in my life from my dad. And so I started um, just down this terrible road of promiscuity and um, every boyfriend that I had, I, I would just give myself to. And then I started um, drinking and smoking pot. And I always said, you know, I'll never, ever be like my dad. I'll never do drugs. I'll never... Um, I'll never try them. You know, I, I didn't want to be like my dad and I didn't want to turn into an alcoholic like my mom. My mom literally lost everything due to her alcoholism. And so I was scared to go down that road, but all it took was that one time, you know, that one time of saying, um, yes, all right, I'll smoke that joint or I'll, I'll try, I'll try the pot because I believe, you know, no one's ever died from a weed overdose. So why not? I'll try it. Well, this just opened up another huge door for the enemy to just come in and start to take over my life. And um, before I knew it, it took a year um, to take over my life. And I was doing hard drugs, smoking crack, meth, um, any pills I could get my hands on. And um, I had an older boyfriend who was 19 when I was 15. And I quit school to be with him and to... Um, get high and I lived in deplorable conditions I mean horrible places went without food um, just to get high and so I became this broken mess I mean I can't even begin to describe the brokenness that I was truly in in the darkness that consumed my life and um, I was so hurting and so at the age of 17, my parents, my mom got sober. Praise God, my mom was able to, she had been in and out of rehab um, different times, but finally she surrendered and she got sober. And so my mom and my stepdad um, told me, you know, we're going to move to New York. We lived in Arizona at the time. So um, they wanted to move me all the way across the United States to New York. And I was 17 and, you know, I knew um, that the brokenness that I was in, I knew that if I didn't move to New York, that I was probably going to die. You know, I was just so sick with um, addiction. And so I moved all the way to upstate New York. And my parents had great, you know, my mom and my stepdad had great hopes for me that maybe I would be able to get sober and have a better life. Well, um, the problem with that is you know, when our heart condition doesn't change, we, we truly aren't changed. <laughs> um, and so you will still begin, you know, you'll still be attracting the same stuff into your life until your heart really changes. And so um, we moved all the way across the country, but it didn't take long for me to start to attract those same things, those same people into my life. And um, I met 
um, my boyfriend, who would soon become my boyfriend, um, and he was our, our town drug dealer. And so, um, of course, you know, I would find him, and he had all the drugs, and we started to get high together, and um, it did not take long for me to find out I was pregnant. And so now here I am, I'm 18, I moved out of my, my parents' house, and I'm pregnant. And I am just a mess. You know, our day-to-day life looked like um, neither one of us had real jobs. I couldn't keep a job for nothing. I was always getting fired. Um, and we would stay up all night, use drugs, get high, be at, live at the, the town bar and uh, sleep all day until night and then get up and do it again. And um, we were in no place to bring a baby into that kind of life. And so that's just a little bit of the backstory of, um, you know, the brokenness that I come from and the dark place that I was in leading up until to my unplanned pregnancy. And um, I believed this lie that getting pregnant was the worst thing that could happen to me, which is so crazy because if you look at my life, I was in the worst thing that was, that could happen to me, you know, which is drug addiction and just the darkness that I lived in. And so um, my boyfriend didn't take the news very well. Him and I just barely knew each other. You know, all we knew together was just getting high and partying. And so um, we didn't think we would, you know, we would be able to bring a baby into that kind of mess. And he told me that I should have an abortion. His last girlfriend had an abortion that he paid for, and it was 400 and something dollars. And she went to Planned Parenthood, and um, that's where I was supposed to go. And so I was hopeless, hopeless. And I think one of the biggest things in that was I was so afraid to um, be, bring a baby into this world that might not have a dad, you know, because he didn't want to be a part. And, um, and then I just felt this heavy pressure of how can I let history repeat itself again? You know, how could I let a child grow up the way I did and then have a baby turn out like me? You know, I, I had no worse. And so it was just hopeless. And, um, so I was talking to my, you know, my mom tried to talk to me. My mom tried to support me and she said she would do anything to help me, but it just wasn't enough for me because I was so afraid to, to turn out like my mom and to struggle the way she did being a single mom and, um, all the things that she went through. Um, so I was scared. I was scared to death and I truly believed that you know, having the abortion would be the only way out. And so I told my mom, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't want to talk one more second about my options or anything. I was going to have an abortion and that was it. And God had different plans for me. And I'm so thankful. Um, My mom was actually at an AA meeting in the most unlikely place, you know, at the most unlikely time. And a man came up to her and he, you know, she was talking about my situation and he said, you need to take your daughter to a care net pregnancy center as soon as possible. Um, this is really serious. And so my mom came home and she said, I have a number to a pregnancy center. I want to take you there. You know, we'll, we'll just talk to somebody. And in my head, I thought, okay, well, 
they must do abortions there. You know, I'll be one step closer to this nightmare going away if I go. And so I agreed to go and um, that just wasn't the case. <laughs> I um, remember walking into the pregnancy center and I was just so broken and such a mess. And I was so ashamed of who I was and, you know, even that I was going to have an abortion. And um, I actually met with Norma Nashold, who was my counselor. And at the time, Norma was just a volunteer. And she was there, you know, dedicating her time to just be there for, for women. And so that meant a lot to me um, that she was just a volunteer and she wasn't even being paid to be there. Um, and immediately I just felt um, the presence of peace in that place. I felt comfortable. I felt accepted and I felt loved right where I was. And that was huge. Um, you know, there's so much shame that a woman carries when she feels like she's going to have an abortion. You know, there's the shame and the weight of that is so heavy. And I can remember being in the pregnancy center and just feeling um, lighter just by being in that place. And I know now that that was the spirit of God and that, you know, he is encamped in that place and meeting with women himself, you know, just using um, the counselors there and, and so her and I began to connect, and it was like every single fear that I had in my life, she began to tell me. Like, she shared her story with me, and God just connected our lives. Um, it was just such a divine appointment, and um, she began to share truth with me, and I was filled with this hope and this courage that I can't even describe. It was a miracle, and God met me right where I was. And, um, you know, I lived my life in such sin, making mistake after mistake after mistake, and God still loved me right where I was. And so that was amazing. And, um, you know, she shared the truth with me about abortion, and they, she really just, she never told me, you know, this is what you should do. We don't do this. This is what you should do. It was never like that. She empowered me with all of my options, the truth of each one. You know, she said, whatever you choose, nothing is going to be easy. There's no easy way. Every, every choice here has consequences, you know, up until this point. And um, she went through each one, you know, parenting, what that would look like, adoption, what that looks like. And abortion and what abortion truly entails, you know, what a first trimester abortion entails, a second trimester abortion, and how it might affect my life. And I can remember looking down at the pamphlet that she had. Um, she was using a Before You Decide book, and I was already struggling from every single emotional side effect from abortion, and I hadn't even had one yet. And I can remember that shaking me a little bit. Um, being scared, thinking, if I do go through with this abortion, what is it going to do to my life? You know, I'm already in the darkest place that I think I could be in. Um, so I can remember um, just being filled with hope and her loving me right where I was and, you know, sharing with me that God loved me and that he had a plan for this baby and my life. And so from that meeting, I was 
um, encouraged. And I knew from the moment that I stood up from that appointment with her that I was going to keep my baby no matter what. You know, so dad wanted to be a part, fine. If not, I didn't care anymore. I just had this strength that I know, you know, God gave me and met me right where I was in the darkest point in my life. And um, I chose life for my baby that day. And so, yeah, so um, after that, you know, I got in for an ultrasound and I got to see my baby up there on the screen and I was eight weeks along. I had no idea how far along I was or anything. And my baby was in there on the screen just doing like somersaults, you know, she was so active, had this strong heartbeat and just full of life. And I was able to see that, you know, at the pregnancy center. Um, I'm just so thankful for their work and what they do. Since then, um, God began to just relentlessly pursue my heart. You know, at that time that I chose life for my baby, I really thought that that was it, you know, that God did this miracle, saved my baby, and that's what he wanted to do with my life. Like, I didn't really truly comprehend or understand that he wasn't just after saving the life of my baby. He wanted to save my soul. And so the women at the pregnancy center began to um, just love me, love me, love me. And I, um, I wrote Norma a letter one night. I had been trying to sleep and I just couldn't sleep. I knew I needed to write her this letter and thank her for being there that day, for just being a volunteer and for caring enough about women who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy to give them love and hope. And, you know, and I told her in this letter, I said, if it weren't for you that day, I wouldn't have my baby. And I honestly believe if I went through with the abortion, that the, 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 the way that I was so addicted to drugs, I truly believe that, you know, I could be dead right now from an overdose or something. I just don't think I would have made it. And, um, so I wrote her that letter shortly after she got back to me and she said, would you be interested in sharing this at our banquet? And I thought, me? No way. You know, during this time after I had my baby, I started drinking again. I started partying on the weekends. And, um, you know, I was just trying. I was young. I was only 19. So I was trying to be a mom, but also live this life that I thought 19-year-olds live, like partying, you know. And um, it didn't take long for me to return to the broken place that I was in before I got pregnant. And so now I have a baby involved, you know, who's in this broken place with me. Um, my boyfriend ended up getting back together with me after we had our baby. I went into a drug rehab facility. And um, it was after that that my boyfriend said, you know, I want to give up selling drugs and I want to be a dad. Um, and I want to be with you. And so my boyfriend never sold drugs again after that. Um, and he started working really hard and got a, got a new job. So we had our daughter on October 3rd of 2008. And it was the greatest day, one of the greatest days of our lives. And, um, but then, at, you know, shortly after, it didn't take long for us to fall back into some of those old habits because, um, you know, my heart still wasn't being filled with 
God. And so um, the women at the pregnancy center, though, they were there for me even after I had my baby and even after I was struggling. Um, And they actually wanted me to speak at their banquet, even though I was still a mess. And so it was actually in that, um, that God really began to open my eyes and reveal himself to me in speaking. So I go to the banquet, my um, husband shows up and we have our daughter and my mother comes with us. And so every seat at the banquet is assigned seats, you know, and um, the first person that my mom sees is the guy from the meeting who gave her the number to the pregnancy center. He was sitting right next to us at the table, right next to us. And so this was a miracle. And everybody was stunned. I mean, we just couldn't believe it. And I can remember walking up to the podium and I was actually afraid that God was chasing me so hard, you know? Um, I thought, oh my goodness, like this God is so real and he's so after me that he would do this and just connect, you know, he's so intricately involved in our lives that he's connecting all of these dots and I got up behind the podium and something happened within me. The moment that I shared my story, um, I just think of the verse um, that says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and revelation. And that became true in my life. When I spoke the word of my testimony, um, it caused me to want to surrender my life fully to Jesus Christ because I knew that God had his hand on me and that he was calling me to this great work. I didn't know what that would look like. You know, I can remember telling um, the executive director from the pregnancy center, her and I would become best friends, even though we have such a huge age difference. Um, I think she's going to be 73 this year, but um, I can remember, you know, telling her and Norma, my counselor, we would meet for Bible studies. We would start, they would take me to church. And so God began to just radically change my life. Um, and I would tell them, you know, I'm called to be a speaker. I'm going to be a speaker. And I don't even know if anyone truly believes, you know, what would happen or how, how that would look. But I just had this huge dream. And um, I, you know, just gave that to God and started to trust him. And God began to work powerfully in my life. And um, he fully set me free from drug addiction and alcoholism. Um, was it easy? Absolutely not. I went through a lot of struggle. You know, there were times where I just would be so gripped with panic attacks and anxiety issues. And, you know, I still struggle today, not with drug addiction, but with anxiety and, and different things like that. But God has been so faithful in my life and I know he carries me through every single step, everything, you know, and um, he's just done such a work in me and redeemed me from the pit of hell and has given me a new life and a new life in him, you know, and a dream. And um, he's allowing me to live out this dream, even though it is absolutely terrifying um, to be a speaker and to go and to share your story. It's like you, um, every time I get on stage now that I'm traveling, um, across the United States speaking and sharing my story, I feel like it's like God just 
you just take yourself, your heart and you kind of cut it open and you allow everyone to see, you know, and that's scary. But what God does in the midst of that, when we step out and say, yes, God, I will go afraid because I know you're with me. I know you're carrying me. And I know this is what you're calling me to do. He is faithful. And so I can't take any credit for anything that's happening in my life. I owe it all to him um, because it's truly a miracle that he saved me and that he is allowing me to live out of purpose, you know, from all my pain. So thank you, Valerie. I'll let you take over now that I've just talked a ton. (laughs) I mean, we have, our stories are so similar. It's almost like looking at myself in the mirror while you're telling your story. Uh, but a little yeah. too. I mean, my parents were involved with addiction, but uh, very much those feelings of just I was adopted. Found out I was adopted by my dad when I was eight. So, you know, the enemy will try to use anything to right. have a stronghold over our lives, and we just take hold of that and take, you know, that, that seed, whether good or bad, that seed, you know, plants itself within us. And we really, truly grab hold of that root of, of lies. And something that you said that really, well, a lot of things that you said that really um, just grab a hold of my heart, but as you were able to go to the pregnancy center, and I think this is one one lie that the world believes is that mm-hmm. you know, us being alone and pregnant and uh, just in such a raw place that, you know, women that go to pregnancy centers, they find out they're pregnant and then they're on their way, which is not true at all. I mean, in your life, right. that's a true example of that, that they were even there with you when you found out but also kept pursuing you in the midst of all that you were going through and continue to love you and support you through everything. And what a beautiful example of how the world truly should be. And we get to be a part of that. And that's so fun. And it's through our brokenness that we are able to come alongside others and make you know, God makes us whole and we get to remind them of that. So, and I yeah, that, was, that was so powerful for me to see in Norma, you know, how God redeemed her life, that he took her from the pit and he, you know, she had just was filled with the joy of the Lord. And I was drawn to that. Um, you know, that truly gave me hope for my life. And so I just think of just the countless women who walk into the pregnancy centers. And I'm so thankful for what you do um, in Tennessee and your story. And I can just, you know, see how God uses all of that in your life for good and to save so many lives. It's so important that we allow God to take our brokenness and to use it for his glory and for good in the lives that are impacted. I mean, we don't even get to see the full outcome, you know, so it's just beautiful. What would you say to 
you know, because in our area, and I'm sure that's the same for yours, addiction is just running rampant so bad. I know. And what would you say to that woman or guy that is just right there in in the pit of addiction and just is way down in that hole that they can't even hardly see the light? If you were being able to sit across from them face to face, what is one thing that you would be able to share with them just in that moment where you were? Because I think it would speak to so many that are even may not be pregnant, but I mean, they very well could be keeping right. in, the, in the path that they're going, but they're in this midst, such stronghold of addiction. Right. Well, um, I would just share with them that there is freedom on the other side of addiction, that there is a way out and his name is Jesus Christ. I don't know any other way to freedom but through him, you know, surrendering our lives. And I know sometimes it can be confusing on what does that look like or how do I do that? You know, and we, we complicate it. Um, but just getting to a place of desperation where you cry out to God and you just, you know, it can even be a simple act of saying, Jesus, help me. Um, and I believe God is gracious in that to save us. Um, Will you be saved instantly? Um, you know, yes, miracles happen, and there are some with those kind of testimonies. But from my experience and from the experiences that I've seen, no, you know, it's a process. And I guess um, just trusting in His grace in that process and getting involved in recovery. Um, I got involved with a group called Celebrate Recovery Um, which originated in California and is now all over the United States. And I mean, many churches are doing Celebrate Recovery. And it was in Celebrate Recovery that I began to work the steps and find true freedom and healing um, through Christ. And so that was powerful for me. You know, we aren't meant to do life alone. And if you're struggling in addiction, you can't do it alone. You know, you have to have the full power of God and you have to have others. You have to have um, accountability and people that you can call out to. So I would urge them to get into recovery as hard as it may be to show up to a church program, you know, called Celebrate Recovery. I know it's scary to walk into a church building alone. I've been there. Um, But As hard as we fight to stay high, that is as hard as we need to fight to stay sober. And in that, God begins to strengthen us, and He will make a way out from temptation. You know, for me, in my experience, there were times where I was so tempted to drink and to use or whatever Um, You know, I got sober before my husband did. My husband was still going out and partying and drinking. And, you know, I was home and trying to stay sober. And so it was really, really hard. And especially hard in my life to start to break that generational root um, of addiction. Because in my family lines, I mean, addiction has literally wiped out generations of my family. And so um, the enemy, you know, was really after me. And I feel like addiction is kind of like this. So you're walking along and it's like this big lion that just chases you. But God is 
so much greater. And I think it can be so discouraging when we just focus on our circumstance and that we are in the pit of addiction. We don't truly see how big God is and that if we give our lives to Him and we allow Him to do His work in us, you know, um, the Word of God was so powerful in changing my heart and starting to renew my mind um, and heal my mind um, that that was a, played a huge part in me finding freedom from addiction, you know, reading and studying the Word, going to Bible studies, going to celebrate recovery. I mean, sobriety takes action. If we just wallow in self-pity and in the darkness uh, where there's no hope, um, it is really hard to break free. But when we begin to step out in faith, surrender our lives, take action, God does His greatest work. And there's freedom and there's healing past addiction. Today, it is a complete miracle that I've been sober for eight years. You know, God completely removed all temptation from me. Um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, after you've suffered a little while, God comes in and he will make all things new. And he, that's what he did in my life. You know, have there been times where I've tried to glamorize a glass of wine or maybe I've been a little jealous of um, people who can drink with dinner or, or, you know, socially or something? Yeah. But I learned to combat those lies. And to combat that feeling of being different um, with the truth. And so there were times, you know, where I just had to fight constantly in, in the battle of my mind with um, temptations to want to drink or use or something that I would constantly have to say, I have the mind of Christ. So anytime a thought would come in my mind that would, that would say, you know, oh, it, that looks good, you know, maybe... I wish I could smoke weed or I wish I could do that or I wish I could drink or whatever it may be that that was trying to come into my mind. I would have to grab hold of that thought, say, I have the mind of Christ. And then I began to um, speak truth over it. You know, I would memorize the scripture and not even some big, long, crazy scripture, but even just a little bit. And the more I did that, the more my mind was being renewed. You know, there did, there came a time when I couldn't even remember the last time I was tempted to use or drink. You know, God just completely removed it from me and um, He strengthened me. And it was a process and it's not an easy process, but it's so worth it. You know, God is faithful when we give our lives to Him. And so that truly is the only hope and the only way out is through Jesus Christ. That is so good and so much in that. And we have Celebrate Recovery in our area. So it'll be so helpful to anyone that hears this, that just to be able to connect or, or maybe they've always heard that, but like today's my day. Today's the day I go. Um, right. So I would love for you to um, share, like how can people connect with you? Where can maybe um, there's a, uh, an event or another pregnancy resource center that hears this message that wants to be able to have you come speak for them? Where can they connect with you? Well, um, for all speaking inquiries, I'm um, now a speaker from Ambassador Speakers Bureau. So you could go on there and put my name 
Kaylee Perrin in the search and um, find out, you know, there you would be able to um, have the information on how to book me to speak at your event. Um, I'm speaking at Pregnancy Center Banquets. I spoke at a youth conference. Um, I'm going to Yale, which is crazy. I'm like, me, high school dropout me, you want me to speak at Yale <laughs> for a pro-life conference? So um, you can just go to the Ambassador um, Speakers Bureau website and type me in the search engine, and um, you'd be able to book me through there. As far as connecting, I would love to connect with you if you have any questions or maybe you're in a place where you're struggling. Um, I would love to connect with you. You can find me on social media. Um, I, I have a regular page that's just Kaylee Perrin. And then I also have a speaker's page um, that says Kaylee Perrin Pro-Life Speaker. And I would love to connect with anyone um, who, you know, maybe you're in an unplanned pregnancy, whatever it is, um, you can find me on there. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, so that's where you would be able to find me. Thank you so much, Valerie. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. It's just this beautiful message of hope today on Armor Truth Podcast. Until next time, talk to you again. Thank you for listening to Armor Truth Podcast. For more information on this podcast or show notes, you can visit us at armoredwithtruth.com. You'll be directed to our blog section to listen to more or past episodes. You can also connect with us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also visit the main website at youmakeherbrave.com where you can take being not only a hearer, but also being a hearer and a doer. You can learn about being a volunteer. Be a monthly partner. $30 a month saves one life from abortion and helps us walk side by side with that new brave family. So again, thanks for tuning in. See you next week on Armored Truth.